Hello, Secret Movie Clubbers. It is that time again. We are going to do our world famous, I want to be like a burger joint, our world famous <laughs> monthly calendar podcast that everyone clamors for, where we talk about everything we're showing in December 2021. Uh, you can get tickets at Eventbrite. Just go to any search engine and go Secret Movie Club Eventbrite. That's probably the best way to get tickets, because if you follow us on Eventbrite, if we announce a new event, you're going to hear about it right away. But please also go to secretmovieclub.com, because we have a calendar page where you can actually download the calendars, put them up on your fridge, print them out. You can also, we got everything on that website, merch, blogs, everything we've done in terms of original content. We, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we now have an original content page, which includes our TV shows, our short films. So everything is on secretmovieclub.com, but you get tickets at Eventbrite and let's get right to it. It is T minus three. We are doing three more works by Fassbender. I believe we crossed the halfway threshold for him. Fassbender famously, even though he died at 37, I think made something like 40 plus, he even beat Shakespeare, 40 plus feature works. I believe that we showed 21 of them or 22 of them. So we were roughly, we showed about 50%, give or take, of Fassbender's output. And on uh, Wednesday, December 1st, uh, we are doing Kotzelmacher. So in this nonlinear way that we've been doing all year where we go to the end of his career, the beginning of his career, middle of his career. We're back at the beginning one last time, and we're showing his second movie, Kotzelmacher, which I highly recommend. It's actually this beautiful blueprint for what his middle period will be. It stars many people that you recognize, and it's about a group of young Germans who, uh, basically think of themselves as very enlightened and very hip, you know, late 60s Germans. Then an immigrant worker played by Fassbender himself joins their group and starts a romance. And suddenly these supposedly enlightened Germans become very xenophobic, very reactionary, much like their parents. It's like a lot of uh, Fassbender's work, very blistering. But it also has a freeness and a looseness, almost in a Richard Linklater way, that presages his middle period and not the coldness of his first film. So that's December 1st at the C movie club theater. We start December 3rd with Satoshi Khan's Tokyo Godfathers at 8 p.m. at the club, which sort of sparks our proper Christmas stuff. It's an anime, takes place on Christmas Eve. It follows three unhoused folk. They discover an abandoned newborn. It's sort of his riff on the nativity concept. And so they're trying to figure out the baby's identity and they're searching the city to find the parents. It's We've screened a few things now, but Satoshi Khan's track record is perfect blue, paprika, millennium actress. I've never seen Paranoia Agent, but I heard it's supposed to be also incredible. Tokyo Godfathers was actually the end of our anime series, which never got an ending because of COVID. So uh, we were always going to show it in December. So also anybody who followed our anime series from two years ago, here's the uh, capper. Here's the finale. And that's in a double with Black Christmas, a like a proto slasher, because of when it came out, a really fun, dark Christmas horror slasher that has a great ending i watched it for the first time last year and was kind of blown away by it it was not not what i thought was going to happen and it's so spooky and there's an image that's on the poster that is uh burned in my brain it's great and we're and for the first time since we've been back from covid we're firing up the 16 mil projector for everybody who loves film and wants that experience i actually love 16 mil when the movie is right I tell this story a lot. We showed Once Upon a Time in the West on 16 mil. Bad idea. Do not show a movie that should have been shown on 35. But a movie that's like a great grindhouse classic like Black Christmas, it plays weirdly almost even better. Saturday, 
December 4th at the Million Dollar Theater. We're doing one more triple feature, just for the heck of it, of three sneaky Christmas films that have holiday themes. First up at 4.30 p.m. is the Coen Brothers unsung in a way, and in fact, done with Sam Raimi. It's, uh, I think, the only Coen Brothers movie where they share a writing credit with anyone else. Hudsucker Proxy, which was an idea they came up with with Sam Raimi, and Sam Raimi appears in the movie, as does Bruce Campbell. It's kind of like a all friends together film. It's one of their screwball comedies. So it's very much in the wheelhouse of raising Arizona and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? One of their warm screwball comedies. It very much is paying homage to Frank Capra and Preston Sturges. And it basically is this story of a company, Hudsucker Industries, and they want to tank their stock, almost like Mel Brooks's producers. They want to tank their stock so that they can make a big buy-in. So they decide to put what they think is an idiot in the CEO, and that's Tim Robbins, who's just gotten a job in the mailroom. And Tim Robbins wants to invent what they don't realize is going to be the biggest invention of the 1950s, because all he does is show them a piece of paper with a circle on it, and they just think he's a moron. But what he invents is the hula hoop. And when he invents the hula hoop, it throws Hudsucker into a tizzy, and it all takes place over the holidays with Jennifer Jason Lee as a Catherine Hepburn-esque, Howard Hawks-esque journalist trying to figure out what's going on, and it leads to a holiday climax. And that is all I am going to say. And then that's paired with a Tim Burton holiday double of Edward Scissorhands and Batman Returns. Edward Scissorhands is kind of like Beetlejuice, sort of uh, sujinary or whatever that term is, where it really just is what it is. It's kind of like a Frankenstein riff, but a much more sympathetic Frankenstein riff. If you don't know what Edward Scissorhands is about, it's about a boy who is made and he's got scissors for hands. And this is a problem because it's hard to have scissors for hands when all you want to do is love. <laughs> it's a great emotional Burton movie. And then Batman Returns is maybe one of my favorites of his. It's my favorite Batman movie, less because it's like a faithful adaptation and more because it's just such a great synthesis of things that Burton is interested in and things that the Batman mythos leans into, specifically things about outcasts and outsiders and dual personalities and, to a lesser degree, uh kinky sex they had to vacuum seal michelle pfeiffer into her suit into her catwoman suit and uh you can tell she had to stay in that suit for all of shooting because it was just too much of a hassle to get her in and out of it and then next we're finally doing it we've talked about it a few times but all the next week from december 6th through the 10th uh monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday three hours a night we are showing the entirety of fassbender's berlin alexander platz for any of the people out there who love books, loves novel, I love to read. I talk about this all the time. My favorite novel of all time is James Joyce's Ulysses. That's my number one. And in Germany, it's totally different, but they often do explain this book to English speakers. They say that Berlin Alexander Platz would be akin to Ulysses. It is Germany's Ulysses in the sense that the author of the book wrote just this modern experimental, stylistically brilliant book, and Fassbender took it on. It all takes place in the 20s Weimar Republic. It follows a man named Franz Bieberkopf, who, just so you know, Bieberkopf translates as stupid head. So it must have been weird as a German to read that book, and it's like Franz Stupidhead is the name of the main character. But basically, 
basically he gets out of prison and he just tries to acclimate and try to get his life back. But what the book becomes and the miniseries becomes fascinatingly is a portrait of what set up Germany for Nazism. And it's many more things than just that. But what's fascinating about it is you very much feel for Bieberkopf, but you also see how many of the characteristics he has can't get a job, working class people judge him. He feels very resentful of elitist society. You see where all those things are going to lead him to potentially become a Nazi or endorse Nazism. So it's incredible. And then, as I often say, if you love David Lynch and Twin Peaks, The Return, and you know what what I mean when I say episode eight, which is, I think, one of the craziest hours of TV you've ever seen. Well, that wasn't the first time that happened. Fassbender blew people's minds with the epilogue, the last two hours of Berlin Alexanderplatz, which to this day, I put alongside a few other things I've seen, some Bergman, some Von Trier and David Lynch as the best television ever made. But you have to watch all 15 hours for the last two hours to pay off. And that is what we were doing. We're going to have beer. We're going to have wine. I hope we're going to have some beer hall food. On Saturday, we continue our 2021 year-long Kubrick Fest. We kind of have a bunch of directors that we're sort of going through their filmography on. Uh, We're doing Clockwork Orange and Eyes Wide Shut at the Million Dollar Theater. I don't think these need much of an introduction, but if you haven't seen them... Even as a double feature of these two on their own, it should be a very intense night for all in attendance. I've grown to love Eyes Wide Shut the older I've gotten, and it sort of appropriately exists as a Christmas picture to a degree, a holiday picture. Uh, I don't know if it gives you the feelings of the holiday that you're looking for, but for some people, maybe it does. And then on Tuesday, December 14th, as we head into the final stretch of 2021, in November, we programmed movies that uh, we were thankful existed. It was a bit of an interesting thematic unity. Things as ostensibly disparate as Night of the Hunter and Deer Hunter and Casino. These are just movies I loved. I wanted to see again. They felt November-ish to me. And the movies in December, even if they're not explicitly holiday themed, somehow invoke in me, and I'm Jewish and Catholic, and you know, I, I have a sense of Hanukkah and a sense of Christmas and, and New Year's, whatever you are, whatever you celebrate. Wings of Desire is a Vim Vendors film from the 80s about angels that basically monitor people in Berlin. And the interesting thing is that they can console them, but they can't actively change what's going to happen. And so it's a really interesting thesis or study about what potentially the transcendent might be, what the role of the spiritual might be. But one of the angels wants to be human. Interestingly, kind of like Hard to Be a God, which ended our November. It's about an angel who gets a little tired of just consoling. He wants to live because angels actually in the movie exist outside of existence. They weren't ever human beings. They were always angels. They were a totally different kind of entity. But it's beautifully shot. It's a snapshot of Germany just before it unified. So it's really one of the last movies made when it was West Germany and East Germany. And Berlin was West Berlin, East Berlin in quarters. So it's it's fascinating historically. I love it. And it just invokes a sense of holiday and spirituality in me. And that's going to be at the Secret Movie Club Theater starting at 8 p.m. And then on Wednesday, December 15th, I feel very bittersweet about this, but also good. Our final Fastbender movie of 2021 won't be our last Fastbender. We're going to we're going to be showing Fastbender as long as I'm I'm alive and running Secret Movie Club. But this was a series choosing Fastbender as our 2021 director that was a bit improvisatory and spontaneous and instinctual. And I actually really loved it. It was wonderful to watch Fastbender movies across this crazy year. And we end with my personal favorite in a year of 13 moons, which he made just after his long term 
lover, maybe the love of his life, Armin Meyer committed suicide. Fassbender felt very guilty about this. He felt that the way he had treated Armin maybe had possibly potentially led to Armin's despondency. And so as Fassbender was wont to do, he made a movie in honor of Armin that really tore himself, Fassbender, apart. And Fassbender wrote, directed, shot, edited the film. It's one of the craziest one-man band, and it's gorgeous uh, and incredible. This is about a transgender woman named Elvira who was discarded by her lover and spends three days of her life trying to make sense of her life. She goes and visits her wife and her daughter before she had her sex change, and then she tries to meet the boyfriend who doesn't want to see her anymore. It's incredibly emotional. I can't describe it. It just has to be experienced, but I will put a warning at the head of this uh, because when people don't know about this, they can probably rightfully be like, what? There is a scene early on. Uh, Fassbender's boyfriend, Armin, was a butcher. And in this movie, the character Elvira, she was a butcher before her sex change. And at the very beginning of the movie, there is a five-minute sequence in a slaughterhouse of cows from when they are killed to when they are bled and gutted. It is real. <laughs> there's no, no animal rights on this one. And there's an incredible hysterical monologue that goes over it. If you're not ready to see that, um, an actual slaughterhouse cow killings, you don't want to come to any year of 13 moons because I am showing that. Just know that if you're seeing it, this movie is raw and intense. And uh, that is one of the things about it. Uh, next Thursday, if you're upset by Angora, you don't want to watch <laughs> Ed Wood on December 16th at the Secret Movie Club Theater. Ed Wood is Tim Burton's probably best film. It is a beautiful love letter to film and what makes the art of film and making film special, and not necessarily the end product. It is about the infamous Z-movie director, Ed Wood, who uh, did most famously Plan 9 from Outer Space uh, and Glenn or Glenda, which I've seen Glenn or Glenda, and it's kind of actually very good. And it's uh, probably Johnny Depp's best performance as the titular Ed Wood. Martin Landau kills it, got an Oscar as Ed Wood's real-life friend, potentially. I'm sure the movie plays that up. I'm, I'm certain it does. Uh, uh, Bella Lugosi. It's just uh, a beautiful, beautiful movie. On Friday, December 17th, also at the club, we have the 190-minute Children of Paradise from 1945 which is a French epic. Totally, in two parts. It was, it was initially broadcasted to the Western audiences as an answer, as France's answer to Gone with the Wind. It's kind of a, not love triangle, but about a woman and four men who are in love with her throughout this period of time. It goes like 1820s to 1850s or something. It's fairly epic. It's kind of about life and sort of the different ways that these people are in love with her. One of them is a mime, one's an actor, one's a criminal, and one's an aristocrat. And I think the really interesting thing about this beyond all that is it was created, it was made during the German occupation of France during the mid 40s. As you're experiencing it, there's just something about that on top of everything. It's a doozy and is very good. The next day, Saturday the 18th at the Million Dollar Theater, we're doing a double feature of The Iron Giant and Mary Poppins. The Iron Giant is another favorite movie of mine, my favorite animated movie. Also kind of another Frankenstein riff, almost. And also an incredibly sympathetic Frankenstein. It's about a boy who finds a, an enormous giant robot and befriends the robot. And, of course, the people around 
the robot think that he is a threat, including the military. And it's a uh, another beautiful film that will 100% make you cry, so buckle up. And uh, in between, we're doing a magic show. We're getting a real magician. It's definitely not just me in a wig. So that's going to be happening in between. And then we're doing Mary Poppins, which I haven't seen since I was a kid. But when I was looking through clips of it to cut our trailer for December, I was like, I remember all these scenes. I've definitely seen this movie before. Mary Poppins is, I mean, I don't know. Do I need to explain what happens in Mary Poppins? I don't think so. (laughs) It's Mary Poppins, everybody. It's the 60s one, not the new one. That's right. Julie Andrews, Dick Van Dyke. It is interesting when you think about Mary Poppins because she just comes out of the sky, answers an ad for a nanny, takes the kids on a bunch of crazy adventures, including like dancing on rooftops, kind of irresponsible, but she teaches them to like unbutton because their dad's an uptight banker. And then they all learn to love life. And then, then she books it. And then they made that other movie. <laughs> and then they made hey. the other, other movie oh. about the making of the movie. Oh, that's right. That's why one of mentioned in one of our earliest podcasts where Edwin was frustrated trying to remember the title. Saving Mr. Banks. Just one of the most historically accurate representations of a <laughs> person in history. Then uh, Saturday night at the club, we are doing Igmar Bergman's Fanny and Alexander. Actually, the entire version, the TV version. I actually saw Fanny and Alexander first in its movie form, which a lot of people in the West, that's how they know it. That version is a three hour version because Bergman was contractually obligated to produce that. He did the same thing for Scenes from Marriage, which is another one of my favorite Bergman pieces. But both of those uh, works were actually five hour works that ran an hour a night and they were miniseries. And Bergman tells the story about when Scenes from Marriage came out, one of his most professionally gratifying moments was it was playing and he looked out and Stockholm, no one was on the streets. Everybody was in their house or like in their bars. And he said like that blew him away. And that really made him feel great that everybody wanted to tune into it. And Fanny and Alexander, kind of like Kurosawa's Ron, Bergman basically said, this is going to be my summation statement. This is going to be everything. And the story he tells about Fanny and Alexander, which I love, is that someone said, Igmar, you always make these downer movies, but in life, in reality, you're actually a really fun dude to be with a lot of times, and you're always laughing and drinking, and there's like a joyous side to you. I'd love to see that movie. And Bergman was like, you're right. So he made Fanny and Alexander, which still has heavy, heavy stuff, and I love it. I love it. And we're showing the complete version. It's basically about two children, Fanny and Alexander, and their dad runs a theater, and then when their dad unexpectedly passes away, their mother remarries a very strict minister who turns out to be his own bag of tricks and the kids go there and they're miserable but then magical things happen because of their love of theater and because of their love of movies i love this film it has a great beginning at a christmas eve party which for me i come from this huge family i have i have something like 10 to 20 first cousins and i have seven aunts and uncles and yada yada and we would do these things and the house would just be filled with drinking and shouting and laughter and the kids running around and all these levels of existence the grandparents the parents and the kids and fanny and alexander captures it so beautifully and then 
because one of our upcoming podcasts are going to be about cinema and television. We do Christoph Kislowski's The Decalogue, which we are doing Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. That's the 21st, the 22nd, and the 23rd. That's going to be at the Secret Movie Club Theater again. We're going to do three to four episodes a night. Each episode is roughly 55 minutes. This, to me, this may be the greatest thing ever made for TV. Christoph Kozlowski and his co-writer, essentially, had this idea to uh, make a TV miniseries about the Ten Commandments, but they didn't want it to be didactic. They didn't want it to be obvious. They didn't want it even to be biblical. What they wanted it to be is they wanted to show how hard and complex and layered it is when you think about each commandment. So to give you an example, um, one that I love, I, I mean, I love them all. They're all brilliant. Decalogue two is thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. And uh, what it is, is a woman's husband's in the hospital and she finds out she's pregnant from an affair. And so she goes to a doctor and she says, you know, if my husband's going to die, I want to keep the baby. But if he's going to live, I have to abort the baby because it's by another man I had an affair with. You need to tell me if he's going to live or die. And you need to swear to me. In other words, you need to swear by God that what you're telling me is the truth. And the doctor, because of his own personal history, knowing how important children are, struggles over what he's going to do. And I don't want to give away the ending, but suffice it to say, it's beautiful and complex and nothing like what you think it's going to be if you have a little literal take on the second commandment. Everybody loves this, this series, whether you're spiritual agnostic or an atheist, Stanley Kubrick, one of the world's most famous atheists, uh, wrote the introduction to the screenplays because he was like, this series blew me away. So, and it's like the only thing I ever think he wrote for another director. So anyway, Decalogue. Finally, we end December, we end 2021 with Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life at the Million Dollar Theater, Mm -hmm. which is a tradition of secret movie clubs that I'm never here for because I have to go home for it. It makes me sad. But this is my my wife's favorite movie, period, full stop. I feel like that's all you need. You married well. Rachel's amazing, by the way. I She's never come on to the podcast, but Rachel, Daniel married well. Rachel married well as well. But if Rachel, that should tell you. If you knew Rachel and you knew this was her favorite movie, that's all you need to know. It all clicks. <laughs> it's a good one. Bring the kids. Bring your parents. Bring your lover. Bring your ex-lover. That's on Christmas Eve. That's right. Christmas Eve day, 11 a.m., Million Dollar Theater. This is also one of my favorite movies of all time. It has one of the greatest third acts ever. Basically, George Bailey tries to live a good life, but he feels that maybe he still messed it up. So he considers killing himself so his family can collect the insurance money because he's strapped for cash. And at that moment, an angel appears to show him what the world would have been like had he never existed. Incredible, incredible film. And there you go. That's December 2021. That is our 2021. And uh, within a week or two, Secret Movie Clubbers, we will, God willing, cross your fingers, be announcing January through March. So we will be going back to our three-month seasons. You will hear about that. Mid-December is going to be my guess, just before the holidays. And I guess the last thing I'll put out, thanks to Daniel Ott's recommendation, we have also set up gift cards, uh, which we're going to be announcing. But by the time you hear this episode, we'll have been launched. And you just go to Secret Movie Club com go to our store you can purchase them in different denominations we will have instructions on how you you can cash them on the website to get merchandise or to see events and there you go so thank you as always go to eventbrite secret movie club to get tickets go to secretmovieclub.com we hope you enjoyed december 2021 thank you guys i'll see you at the movies Bye-bye. Bye-bye.